Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design and happy Labor Day weekend. I have a love-hate relationship with this weekend, mainly because on one hand it means that fall is around the corner, yay! But it also means that cold weather is coming, boo! And it also means that the lazy days of summer are over, double boo! (laughs) But hopefully my show today will lift your spirits. I'm actually taking you back to the fall of 2015. Now in this episode, I talked to board certified holistic nutritionist, Suzette Garcia. Now at the time that I recorded this in my life, I was on a huge health kick. Now don't get me wrong, I've always been on a major health kick, right? (laughs) If you listen to the show, You know, all I talk about is like organic food and yoga and meditation. But at this point, uh, you know, I was just like, I decided that I wanted to be like one of those hot moms that drink, and I'm not a mom, but I wanted to be a hot mom that drinks dark green juice and, you know, has ripped yoga arms and, you know, does triathlons on the weekends. Only I wasn't going to do the triathlons. (laughs) But I did everything that Pinterest told me to do. FYI, don't believe anything on the internet. I read all the fitness blogs. I followed all the trainers and, you know, all their programs that they had. So what I really was disappointed about is that at this point I was doing yoga like four to five days a week and I thought, okay, this isn't working. So I'm going to also go to the gym. So I was going to yoga and going to the gym. And when I joined this local gym, it was like a big fancy place here where I live in Nashville. And when you join, you get like a fitness exam. And I was destroyed (laughs) when I found out that my body fat percentage was saying that I was obese. I had 32 to 33% body fat. And I was like, what in God's name is happening? I was juicing fresh greens in the morning, skipping lunch, and eating a raw vegetarian meal for dinner. I worked out four to five days a week, and in addition to that, I was also walking or running at night after dinner, and I was considered obese. The life of a woman who is of a certain age, am I right? (laughs) So I just... I kind of gave up. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. I am trying this hard and I just kind of gave up, really, honestly. (laughs) I just succumbed to the idea that I was getting older and even though I was only in my late 30s, I guess this was just how it was supposed to be. So I quit trying so hard, good Lord. I was killing myself. And I felt like, my God, I'm trying this hard and I'm getting nowhere. So I just threw in the towel. I gave up the gym and just went back to yoga, just started eating healthy again. And then one day while I was working at my desk, I don't know, I was writing a newsletter or something, I started experiencing a hot flash. I felt heat go up my legs, across my chest. Oh my God, my chest was so hot and my head the top of my head, I felt like I was on fire. So I got up and I went to the kitchen. I chugged down like, I don't know, like four glasses of cold water. I was sweating profusely at this point. 
And I thought, oh my God, oh my God, this is it. I'm going to die from menopause. My body is failing me. I'm obese and I'm a hormonal mess. <laughs> what can I say? I like to take things to extremes. So before going back to my desk, I decided, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I just chugged down, you know, a gazillion gallons of water and I nearly fell down when I entered the bathroom because I saw my reflection in the mirror. I was completely and totally broken out in hives. <laughs> I wasn't having a hot flash. I was experiencing an allergic reaction. Oh, hallelujah. Bring grace to baby Jesus and Archangel Michael. I wasn't experiencing menopause. So that was the positive thing. So I went and had an allergy test done and discovered that everything, and I mean everything I was eating, strawberries, peppers, apples, ginger, eggplant, radishes, olives, kale, spinach, beets, green tea. Yes, I had a sensitivity to all of it. And guess what I was eating every day? Oh my God, I was having like six cups of green tea a day. Turns out I wasn't obese. My body was inflamed because it didn't like these foods. Holy wow, what an epiphany. And what blew my mind is none of the doctors knew this. All the doctors that I went to when I was trying to figure all this out and get stuff in check and back in balance, you know what they told me? Oh, well, you know, considering your age, this is just how it is. Oh, my God. So after I discovered that this is what was happening, I wanted to tell every woman out there about the number one scientifically proven food allergy test that everybody should be doing. This knowledge saved me and it made me realize I wasn't getting old and I'm not crazy. I was eating the wrong things. And here's the thing. In my mind, I was eating the right things because they were all fresh and they were all raw. I had no idea that I could be allergic to strawberries. And oh, I was also allergic to raspberries. I mean, literally everything I was eating, I was having a reaction to. And you'll learn in the show today that some things are allergic, like you're allergic to them, like you have an allergy to them. And other things, you have a sensitivity. To me, it's all the same. My body was reacting to it, whether it was, you know, chronic or instantaneous. So bottom line is, if you're struggling to lose weight, if you're experiencing weird, unexplainable hormonal changes, feeling joint pain, struggling with brain fog, or anything else that's unexplainable, listen to this show. You're not crazy and you're not old. And that's the thing that pisses me off is that every doctor that I went to, which by the way, were male, I think I saw one female doctor, they all said it was because of my age. So if you're experiencing anything that's weird or off the wall or intuitively doesn't feel right, this is the show for you. Join me and Suzette to learn more about what this Alcat thing is, why every woman and man should have this test done regularly and how food can reverse many of the ailments that you're probably struggling with daily. Are you ready? Let's take it back to 2015 and learn about the Alcat. Let's do this. 
Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Design 101. I'm your host Amanda and today's guest is Suzette Garcia, nutritionist for Cell Science Corp., the company that specializes in the Alcat food testing system. According to them, 70% of chronic disease is preventable, not with fancy prescriptions or the latest and greatest fad hitting the media. I mean, wouldn't it be great and even more well-received in a shiny, flashy pill? Sure, but here you won't find any unicorns or pixie dust. Their secret sauce is personal nutrition therapy to improve your quality of life. And I'll tell you what, it definitely did that for me. For well over a year, I struggled with getting fit. And don't get me wrong, for most who know me, they'd say, you're thin. What's the big deal? Why does it matter? Well, according to most of the info on the internet, where, you know, everything is true, the average woman who works out and, you know, puts a little bit of effort into it one or two days a week is generally 31 to sometimes anywhere from 28 to 31 percent body fat. A woman who works out four to six days a week is generally 21 to 25 percent body fat and at that level is considered at a fitness level which is where I should have been since I was working out five days a week and eating a very strict diet. But where was my body fat level? 32.5 percent which is considered obese. Now, here I am killing myself, working out really hard, eating an amazing, organic, raw, vegetarian diet, no sugar, low dairy, and at times, no carbs. And I was only drinking water, no sodas, no sugary drinks, and here I am, I'm considered obese at 32% body fat. You can read more about my story on the blog. I, uh, the blog post is Revolutionary New Approach to Weight Loss that no one's talking about. But this concept that the healthy food I was eating was actually causing the problem, well, it totally blew my mind. Did you know that we are not supposed to eat the same foods over and over? Well, guess what every trainer and fitness blog talk about? Meal planning. And many are no-brainer meal planner systems, so food is looked at as fuel, and many of the foods offered and many of the meals offered are the same or close to the same. So again, enter in the revolutionary new approach to weight loss that nobody is talking about, the ALCAT test. Today, Suzette and I are going to talk about what it is, why it matters, and if you feel like everything is going right, great, then this podcast probably isn't for you. But if you feel like everything's going wrong and you're doing everything right, then this podcast is definitely for you because this little nugget of information is going to change your life.
Hello, hello. Welcome to the show, Suzette. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. I really am. Like, this is, um, I had a roundabout way that I came to doing my food sensitivity test. And so I know that I had so many questions and I posted it on Facebook, like, you know, all the things that I was sensitive to. And I just didn't expect the reaction and response that I got from so many people. They had so many questions. So I think that this podcast today is going to be fun and informational for a lot of people. Excellent. So let's just get a little bit of background before we jump into this. Um, you are with Alcat, but how did you come about um, getting into nutrition and starting out with Alcat? Like, how did that all come about? I have always been interested in health and nutrition education, so it's something that I always read about, was fascinated by it, and actually had my own health issues at some point where I just had difficulty with my energy level and hormone balance actually in my 20s. I was hormonally imbalanced, went to doctors. They couldn't exactly figure out what was wrong with me. And I actually got a little frustrated and thought, I need to figure this out myself. And that's somewhat what led me into the field of actually getting educated with it and helping others. So I decided to get a master's degree in health and nutrition education and I did that through a holistic university, Hawthorne University. And then after I obtained that degree, I joined the National Association of Nutrition Professionals. I became board certified in holistic nutrition. And all of that I also did while working at ALCAT, also known as Cell Science Systems. ALCAT is the main test that we do here, which is the food and chemical sensitivity test. And I came across the company, found it very fascinating what they do. And that's why I decided to join them because it goes in line with what I believe in and what has helped me. Mm, yeah. I mean, talk about a power story. I mean, you really had some direction there. And um, I have to say that I had absolutely no idea that such a thing existed. It never even occurred to me um, that you could be sensitive to a food. Um, so explain to us a little bit about what like when I started doing research um, I was first introduced to the idea that we could be sensitive to foods probably about a year ago and then it was my acupuncturist that was like you need to get your butt in there and get a food sensitivity test Um, and as I started doing research like everything that I read was that the gold standard was Alcat So explain to us what that is and why it's all over the place as the gold standard. The reason it's the gold standard is our methodology of testing. So we have a machine here that we use that actually is looking at the leukocyte activation, which basically what that means is your white blood cells. When we're looking at your white blood cells, we're looking at your immune cells. Basically, that tells us how is your immune system responding when exposed to these different items. So it's a live cellular test where it's going to use a whole blood. So we, of course, with yourself, you know, you sent in, you had a blood draw, they sent it into our laboratory, and we looked at your live blood cells. So that means the reason that this is the gold standard is we're telling you right now what would occur if you were exposed to this item. That benefits you because your sensitivities do change with time. It is possible that at one point in time in your life, you would be sensitive to something And in the future, you no longer are sensitive to it. So, of course, you always want to know what is a problem right now, not what was a problem in the past. 
So tell me, this is, um, I've had to struggle a little bit with this since I've gotten my results. Like, um, I, we kind of laugh about it now, um, my better half and I, because like, I was, I'm already a vegetarian, so I already don't eat meat. So when I go to restaurants and stuff, I'm always like, well, I need you to make this, but you can't put this on it. And like, does it, is it cooked in this kind of broth? And like, I'm already difficult, right? So yes, <laughs> I get the sensitivity test back and like eh, 90% of what I've been eating is stuff that I'm not supposed to be eating. Um, but one of the things that like, I just, I just went to a, a place called Zoe's Kitchen and it's a Mediterranean place, which is a little bit difficult because one of their main dishes is chicken. Well, I don't eat chicken. Um, the second thing that they use is olive oil and olive oil, olives happen to be something that I'm sensitive to, so I can't have olive oil. So what I've had to do is change my terminology and it's incorrect um, but I've had to say to people, like is, like with this uh, particular gal that was uh, serving us that night, I was like, well, is there olive oil in it? I'm sensitive to it. And she just kind of looked at me like, what? And I'm like, I'm allergic to it. So right. that was the only way that I could. I have found that when we are out in, in uh, especially at restaurants, I've just had to default to the allergic thing because it's the only thing that people get. But what is the difference between the terminology of sensitivity versus allergy? There is a big difference. And as you said, most people have no ideas that food sensitivities exist. They know about food allergies. Everybody knows what a food allergy is. But a food sensitivity, we usually lump them together thinking that they're the same thing. Or somebody looks at you kind of like you're crazy and what? You're sensitive to it, so you just don't want it? Or (laughs) I get the same thing. What do you have against it? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So with an allergy, this is something that it's going to be a very quick response. It's what they call an acute response. Quick, strong, usually you know you have it because of the fact that the reaction is such a fast response. Within seconds to minutes, maybe a little bit longer than that, but usually very, very quick. And it's so strong that some people go into anaphylactic shock with their allergies, can end up in the hospital or need to carry an EpiPen with them. Some people not as extreme. Maybe they just get pain in their stomach. They break out in hives. Maybe they do get some tightening of their throat. But this is more of an extreme situation with a food allergy. With a food sensitivity or chemical or herb with sensitivities, we're looking at delayed reactions. And so these delayed reactions lead to chronic conditions that usually we don't recognize being associated with the foods we're eating. When I say delayed reaction, it could be a few hours up to, they say, 72 hours later. I would say on average, usually a 24 to 48 hour time frame, you're noticing this response. However, if you're normally eating these items on a regular basis that you're having a reaction to, it's very difficult to identify because that kind of becomes your norm. You become acclimated to how you feel, even if you don't feel 100%. If you're constantly eating things that you're sensitive to, you're constantly having a reaction. With food sensitivities, we tend to have a lot of sensitivities, comparatively speaking, when you say a food allergy. Normally, if somebody has an allergy, it's one or two items, maybe a handful of items, With sensitivities, it can be many items. It could be 50 items. It could be only 10 items. So the number, of course, varies from person to person, but it definitely can be a lot more items than with an allergy. If you go to a restaurant, yes, I agree. Usually you should tell them I'm allergic to something when you want them to remove it. Then they'll take you seriously because they know about how extreme that response could be. Um, Even in the medical world, I actually found it very fascinating 
and still do, that many people do not know the difference between an allergy and a sensitivity, they kind of become lump sum together. And when I did my master's thesis, I actually chose to do it on food sensitivities because I was working in the field already. And I found that even going on PubMed, Google Scholar, all these medical sites, they didn't have a lot of information on sensitivities, which is pretty interesting that even today it's very unknown even in the medical world. Oh, yeah, I was, and I still am. Most of my family, uh, my mother's actually in the medical field. She's an ER nurse, and she says, well, you're just sensitive to all that because you're a hippie and you've eliminated everything out of your life. <laughs> I said, well, this might be partly true, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, and she's right. I mean, I eat 100% organic. I make all of my own homemade cleaners. Like, there is nothing that is not, um, like, non-GMO, chemical-free, organic in our household um, you know, and even like furnishings and things like that, um, I try to, to only, cause I don't want any off gassing in the house. And she's like, you've created this bubble and that's why you're sensitive to all these things. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, but it has made it difficult because, um, you know, every place that we go, it's like, I'm asking like what's in it. And like, I felt so bad the other day I went to a client's house and they had made their own homemade green juice. And so he's so proud. He's brimming, you know, he's like, I made this with my juicer and he mm-hmm. hands me a big old swig of it. And I take a, ta- a test uh, or a taste of it. And I was like, oh shit, this has ginger and apples mm-hmm. and like I could taste everything in it because I've eliminated them from my um, diet and so I could immediately taste it and I'm like, oh, this is so good. And then when he wasn't looking, I was like, and we're pouring this down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to your podcast. <laughs> I know. He Well, he probably doesn't. But, you know, I mean, ginger was a big one for me. I couldn't believe that I was, you know, sensitive to that because um, coming from the holistic world, ginger is a a huge cold remedy and it's something that is great for your immune system and it was like ah crap like I gotta uh, try to eliminate that now because we we probably were eating that at least twice a week so I think that's what was most eye-opening is just the here I thought that because my diet was predominantly raw and 100% organic non-gmo I thought I was doing pretty darn good and to come and find out that I would say probably 50 to 70% of my diet was all stuff that I was sensitive to. So that's, that's pretty most, shocking. Yes, that's the most fascinating part about a test like this. When you look and you say, wow, I'm eating a quote-unquote healthy diet, and yet these healthy foods aren't healthy for me. It's not that they're not healthy. It's not that they're not nutritionally sound. Absolutely, they are. They could be great sources of antioxidants. Obviously, if you're eating foods without chemicals and all of these antibiotics, the hormones, all of those items that they nowadays add to our foods, that of course is a great approach. But then when you do some further research and you look into it specific to your body and how your body responds to these items, it is very fascinating where something like apple and ginger and those items could be problematic when they're quote unquote healthy. Yeah, so explain to the audience, um, you know, uh, one of the things that was great with taking the ALCAT is I was able to talk to you and, you know, get a lot of my questions answered because it was really overwhelming. I was like, oh, my God, apples? I can't eat apples? Um, You know, so it was like a lot of information to take in. But um, I've been off of all of the the, – I should probably have you explain that there's three different levels of sensitivity, but – I've been off of the items, and so I have noticed a 
pretty significant difference in how I feel, but what are some side effects that people commonly um, have when they're eating a diet that has a lot of the, the foods in it that their body does not react well to? There are, like I said, chronic symptoms that we typically find that people associate with foods or anything that they're sensitive to, that they're exposing themselves to. I would say chronic fatigue definitely is one. Many times when I speak with patients and they say, I've been following this for a while, they say, I have more energy, I'm sleeping better, my digestion has improved. We have people come to us for all different types of conditions. It could be digestive issues such as acid reflux, constipation, diarrhea, bloating, it could be neurological issues. We have people who have depression come to us. We have patients who have um, ADD, ADHD, autism, see improvements when they follow this diet. It can help, again, with your energy levels, your sleeping habits, your metabolism. We see that some people have difficulty gaining weight. We, have that, we see that some people have difficulty losing weight, and this can help you with that. Basically, this is an anti-inflammatory diet. And so the main key with that is that you reduce inflammation in your body and you're going to create an environment that is healthier. If your body is inflamed, you are more prone to illness. So by eliminating the foods that are triggering inflammation, and again, I keep saying foods, but chemicals, herbs, molds, anything that we tell you that you're sensitive to, by removing these items, you are reducing the inflammation in your body. So not only should it alleviate existing issues that you have, that you may not even realize you have, it should also be preventative. Again, an anti-inflamed environment is going to be a healthier environment, so you'll be less prone to illness as well. Yeah, I would definitely say um, I was not 100% sure what to expect. Um, I was expecting, not that I'm really bloated, but I did expect more of the weight to come off a little bit. That hasn't really happened, but um, I will say without a doubt, I feel probably a thousand times different as far as energy level goes. Mm -hmm. um, I have pretty intense days. They start very early. They go very long. And like I would start tanking at about 3 p.m. And like I'd have to power through with maybe a cup of coffee or an espresso um, and, you know, fight off the fatigue. And, you know, there would be some nights when I couldn't even make it past 7 p.m. I would just be like, I need a nap. Like I would just be so physically exhausted that my eyes felt like they had weights on them um that's probably been the most significant change that i have seen um like uh for example friday i had my day started at about probably 6:45 in the morning and i didn't get out of work until almost 7 and i was so excited to just come home and like go to bed like i was so tired i just like wanted to relax and my cat ended up being extremely ill that night and so we didn't get to bed till a quarter till 3 in the morning oh wow and i was thinking wow like if i wasn't on this new diet without all these things in it i don't think i would have been able to stay up but surprisingly not only was i able to stay up but i wasn't tired like i didn't feel like I just need to close my eyes. Now, by the time it got to a quarter to three, I was like, okay, I need to close my eyes. But, <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, that that was kind of like an eye-opening experience for me and just how I felt. Like my body didn't feel like completely worn down considering how long of a day it had already been. So that's been a big difference. Um, and I would say appetite has also been a big difference. Like um, 
people have always said who know me that like, oh my God, you never eat, you never eat, you never eat. And it's like, I never ate because I was never hungry. And then what I would eat, I would eat a little bit and I'd be like, oh, like I just, I didn't have an appetite for food. And that has increased significantly. Like I'm hungry all the time, which is a very strange sensation because I've never had that before. Yes. Um, And that's actually good because that's showing you that your metabolism is speeding up. So if you're actually hungry, it's because your metabolism is working. And that's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. And my body's probably like, oh, hallelujah. Finally, you got rid of the strawberries and the apples and, you know, (laughs) the ginger. Um, so, I mean, that's been a significant change, but the, the energy alone was, you know, well worth the, the chick at Zoe's going, you're allergic to olives, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So, um, now how far, um, does the sensitivity go? Because I've noticed that like, oh my gosh, I am like a hawk now. And like, I bought you know, I think everybody in America probably has strawberry jam in their refrigerator. And I can't have strawberries. It's like on the, the high alert list, um, which we'll talk about in a minute because there's three different uh, columns of sensitivity. But I bought some peach jam thinking peaches are safe because it's in the safe column and I can have that. Well, I spin it around and I look in the ingredients and it says that it's sweetened with pears and apples. Two things I can't have. And I was like, crap. (laughs) So I've been really good with the food part, but I have an all natural organic deodorant that I've been using for about a year. And it didn't even occur to me until maybe a week ago, I looked at the ingredients and the first ingredient is green tea. Mm-hmm. which is on one of my sensitivity lists. I think it's on my second one. And I was like, huh, I wonder if I'm not supposed to be using this. So does that count? Technically, yes. Okay. So all forms of exposure count. And whether it's a minimal amount or a large amount. Now, of course, the amount does make a difference. If you're eating, let's say, a whole apple versus a food that has apple pectin in it, which means that it's going to be a smaller amount of apple in there, you may not even notice that it's affecting you, even though it is at a cellular level. So if you're eating a large amount of something, you're probably going to notice the effect. If you're eating a small amount, not necessarily, even though it is affecting you. It's almost like when you read certain foods and they say they can actually label food certified gluten-free if they have zero to two parts per million. Um, Still technically has a small amount in there, but they can still consider it gluten-free. That's the same thing with sensitivities. If it's very, very minimal, probably not really going to affect you too much. But as far as our recommendations go, we do say avoid all form of exposure and all amounts. Even if something says that it's processed in the same facility as something that you are intolerant to, you would want to try and avoid that as well. We ask you to look at supplements. If you're taking a supplement that contains something that you're intolerant to, that would be important to look at. And topical exposure. If you're using, for example a bar soap that's uh, an olive oil bar soap you would want to avoid that so you want to look at things that you are even putting on yourself quickly washing off like a body wash soap anything along those lines are important to look at and again if it's something you're putting on washing off you might absorb less of it into your system than if you're eating something just because with ingestion usually it's a larger amount but it's all cumulative So if it's a little amount here, a little amount there, a little bit there, it all adds up and then that could definitely affect you where you are noticing those negative reactions and you might notice a drop in your energy level or whatever your specific symptoms are. Yeah, and deodorant, I mean, that's something that I'm using every day. And like, I was like, oh crap, it didn't even occur to me that it had green tea in it. But you really do 
you have to be so diligent. Like, I went to the store the other day to get mayonnaise and mustard, and um, I'm thinking, you know, it's just organic mayonnaise, so it should have, like, egg whites and a couple of things in it, and apple cider vinegar. Can't have that. Right. Um, and I picked up a blue cheese dressing. Um, I actually normally make all of my dressing from uh, dressings from scratch, but I always like to have a pre-made one in the fridge for those nights that I just don't have time or energy to make one. And, like, I'm the weirdo literally, like, reading every single little thing. And thank God I did because the blue cheese at Whole Foods, it's just the one that they make. It's got peppers in it. It's got green and red peppers in it. Another thing I can't have. <laughs> so... I've just, (laughs) my better half is just like, he just, now he just gets on his phone and he like, lets me do my thing. He's like, we're going to be here a while. And I'm like, yeah, we are. (laughs) So here's one thing that I'll say, because you are definitely um, a little more extreme as far as your diligence in taking care of what you're eating, looking at product labels than the average person. I mean, you just are from speaking to you, all organic, making pretty much everything that you use and eat. Uh, Most people don't have the time to do that. So I do want to throw out there that with the average person, they don't have to be that extreme and still see success with doing the food sensitivity test and seeing positive results. Because realistically, most of us don't have uh, the capacity or energy or want to be that extreme. I always tell everybody, strive for perfection, try to be as diligent as you can be. But if at some point, even such as with yourself, you do get exposure to something that you're not supposed to have, don't throw your hands up in the air. Don't get overwhelmed and just say, you know, I can't do this. This is too difficult. You want to try and reduce the things that you are sensitive to as much as possible. Now, you don't want to, you know, go at it halfway and not really be too great at it and say, well, I'm reducing some, so that helps. You know, you really, you really want to strive for perfection, try to do it as much as possible. But with anything in life, you know, the more you have of something that's bad for you, the more it's going to affect you. And the less you have of things that are bad for you, the better you should feel and the less it should affect you negatively. Well, it's just, you know, it's that old saying of the 80-20 rule. Like, and I tried to remind myself of that. Like, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, we'll have weeks where we get to yoga and the gym five days a week. And then we have like a week like this week. It's just been insanity. And we've been so busy. And I think we've gotten to the gym twice and I've gotten to one yoga class. And it's like, okay. We're not going to feel bad. We're not going to feel guilty. Last week we got five days in and, you know, we are doing more than the average Americans. So that we, we just try to remind ourselves like, you know, we could just be sitting on the couch and eating cheeseburgers, but, you know, we're doing everything else right. So that falls into our 20%. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> so a good just, approach. We just try to remind. But yeah, I mean, um, and I, I've written about this on my blog too. Like a lot of people that meet me are like, oh my God, you're so, you know, extreme. and And it's... Not that I'm extreme. This is something that I have, you know, I started incorporating these things when I was about 34 years old. So every year, like, you know, when I turned 34, that's when I decided to become a vegetarian. And then when I turned 35, that's when I started going to yoga. When I turned 36, that's when, so it's been a very slow process. It's basically been every year I've added on a, a, you know, a new holistic health or healthy way to live into my environment. So I always tell people like, don't jump in head first and try and do all 20 things at once. Like just ease your way into it. So exactly. um, I felt like we were already 
ahead of the ball game by you know we don't eat additives and preservatives everything we eat is raw and natural we don't like eat a lot of processed foods um, I would say the only processed foods we eat are if we do eat out at a restaurant but most of the places that we eat at are fresh so we you know we just always look at it like that 80 20 rule but um, you know for me and you had mentioned this when we had our phone call is that you do it you're diligent about it you're not like I I'm on like my fourth or fifth week now um, I don't think I expected to feel this good. Um, I didn't expect to have the energy level. I had gotten so accustomed to just feeling ran down. And I thought, well, crap, you know, I'm eating a really good diet. I'm eating an organic diet. It's it's raw, so I know that I'm getting really good nutrients. And I'm drinking 70 to 80 ounces of water a day. So, and I'm exercising four to five days a week. I feel like I'm doing everything right. So I'm just fatigued. You know, I'm working hard, so I'm fatigued. Right. And then I eliminate these items out of my diet. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, you know, the angels start singing. And I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? So I'm hoping that this podcast is going to like enlighten a lot of people to want to go out and do this because I really did not expect to have my energy level change so much. I agree. And as you mentioned, um, we do offer that when the patients get their test results, as long as their health care provider authorizes us to do so, we'll consult them here at the laboratory and give you the education to help you understand what information you've received. So like you said, when you get your test results, you have a color formatted presentation that shows you, okay, these are your severe intolerances, these are your moderate intolerances, these are your mild intolerances. What does that mean? We provide the patients with a results guidebook and then also the phone consultation to guide you specifically, speak one-on-one about your specific results. And then we also give you a little wallet card that you can carry around with you that tells you what foods you're intolerant to. That's very convenient to take with you if you're going to a restaurant or a function, as well as your large sheets of paper. But if you don't want to take out your large sheet of paper where you're at, maybe a restaurant, a business function, you have your little wallet card. So we prepare you with a lot of information to get you going with this and help you throughout the entire process, as well as offer you consultation programs to consult you throughout the entire duration of your process as well. Yeah, I mean, that to me was invaluable because I got mine um, through a place called Any Lab Test Now, and they basically just handed me my results and said, here you go, here's your packet. Mm-hmm. Like, I And the first uh, sheet that I got was one that they had emailed me, and so it was black and white. It had no color to it. So the columns didn't even exist. And so I was really confused as to, well, why are there different columns? And it's like using these words like highly intolerant, mild. I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. So I was really thankful for my call with you because that allowed me to get a better understanding of what the heck am I even looking at here? Like, I don't know what any of this means. So explain to the audience the difference between the, what I call the high alert foods, <laughs> which are do not touch at all versus the mild versus the moderate. Like what, what does that mean for someone? Well, of course, when we say high alert, those are the ones that are affecting you at the highest degree of reactivity going to cause the most inflammation and what you probably notice affects you the most. Your milds, you might not even really notice that they're affecting you. 
until you actually remove them from your diet or reduce them out of your diet. So we have your severe and your moderate foods where we tell you always avoid those completely when you first start the diet. But eventually the good news is is that you should be able to reintroduce them. So another big difference between an allergy and a sensitivity is that allergies are usually lifelong. Sometimes we grow out of them, but usually they're lifelong, whereas a sensitivity is temporary and short-lived, especially in comparison to an allergy. Usually we say, worst case scenario, you're avoiding your severe and moderate foods for at most about six months. Sometimes it takes a little longer than that, but typically you're avoiding it for six months and then you can reintroduce it back into your diet, which we do give you a protocol of how to test it out, reintroduce it, basically the same way that you would introduce a food to a baby for the first time, so that way you can determine if it is appropriate to bring back in or not. And at that point in time, when you're testing the foods out, it will be much more apparent to you if it is reactive versus prior to you starting the diet. Because at that point, you've started with a clean slate, you've eliminated the foods that are problematic, and you can tell. Now, with your mild foods, which are the level down from that high reactivity, those we say you can incorporate in your diet on occasion if you would like to. So those you do not even have to 100% avoid. But generally, I suggest try to completely avoid them. Give yourself the leeway with those more so if you're going on vacation or if you're not in control of what you're eating. And then, of course, you have your acceptable foods. So it's important to know what you cannot have. But really, truly, I say focus on what you can have because that's most important. It's important to know what can I eat. And when you look at all the food items that you can eat, you can also have all those derivatives of those foods and be creative. And we can help you with that creative uh, edge as well, giving you ideas for recipes and breakfast ideas, lunch ideas, dessert ideas, all these different things that you may suddenly feel overwhelmed saying, oh my goodness, I need to take all my favorite foods out or some of my favorite foods out. What will I have in place of these? So we guide you in that regard as well. But there is a temporary elimination and then there's the reintroduction of the foods. Usually I see that most patients can reintroduce all or almost all of their foods back into their diet, although there is always the possibility that something is a genetic predisposition, which would mean that no matter how well you avoid the item, how long you avoid the item, every time you bring it back in, you're going to see that it bothers you. But generally, with almost everything or everything, you can bring it back in. So the good news is, is when you first get your results and you are overwhelmed thinking, I need to avoid these things, even though they're going to make me feel better avoiding them, it's still overwhelming. But the good news is, is you say, okay, but down the road, I can eventually have these things again that I really like. And like, um, I guess what my question would be is what causes that sensitivity? So like for me, my high alert was like uh, strawberries, ginger, bell peppers. I mean, strawberries, I was definitely eating a lot. But um, is would that be something that I was always sensitive to and then I was just eating too much of it or was it something that changed in my body to uh, suddenly start that sensitivity or, or how does that generally work does does your body just kind of react to it one day and then that's what makes it sensitive um, it could actually be any of those <laughs> oh, okay so it could be genetic predisposition so it could be something that your body always was reactive to and even though you were eating it it was problematic and maybe you just didn't see that association most likely, I would say for yourself, because you're telling me that you were eating it all the time, it probably was due to overexposure. We see that that plays a huge factor in the development of sensitivities. If we eat something daily or almost every day, 
basically you're overexposing yourself to that item, your body tends to develop a sensitivity to it. We see that when people eat a varied diet, they tend to have less sensitivities, although your sensitivities are also due to how your body is responding overall with your immune system. If you have a disease state where you're fighting off a disease or you have something like even a cold or a flu, at that point you generally would be more reactive to things. You know, you're more sensitive when your body is stressed out. Outside stressors can play a role on what you're sensitive to. And when I say stressors, it could be physical stressors, mental stressors, so your work, your spouse, your physical stressors could be, do you work out too much? Are you a couch potato? Do you not sleep properly? So there's many things that play a role. Some of them we can tell you specifically what it is, which would be overexposure to items. And then sometimes we don't exactly know what is the trigger. And I would say that's part of the most confusing part for most people. When they look at their results, they try to figure out, why is this a problem? Did I do this to myself? Is it genetic? We don't tell you that with your results. That's not one thing that is informed um, as far as the testing goes. You don't know, is it genetic? At that point, you basically know, okay, this is a problem. I'm going to eliminate it. Down the road, when I test it out, I'll be able to figure out if it's something that's always problematic. If you bring it back into your diet in the future, let's say strawberries, for example, you avoid it for the set a period of time. So you said that was a highly reactive item? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So for six months minimum, you want to avoid strawberries. Let's say six months down the road, you reintroduce it. You find that it still bothers you. We tell you to take it back out for at least three weeks before you test it out again. So it's not another full six months, which is great, but at least three more weeks because sometimes just enough time has not passed and your cells are still having this recognition of it being a problem. But as you continue to avoid it, eventually that recognition can go away. And so in that case, that would mean that it's not genetic. It was just temporary. But if you reintroduce it and reintroduce it again and then reintroduce it again, and, you know, weeks go by and every time you reintroduce it, it bothers you, that's going to be your indicator that, yes, I need to permanently remove this. And what are the chances of, one, how often uh, – should someone take a sensitivity test? I mean, it sounds like this changes all the time. But how often, like, let's say I eliminate strawberries for a year and I can reintroduce them to my diet, my body doesn't react to them. Is there a possibility that within another year I could be sensitive to strawberries again? If you go back to eating them every day, more likely, yes. yes. Most likely, yes. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I told you and you saw with your packet is that you have a rotation plan. We lifelong recommend trying to rotate what you eat. Do not eat the same thing every single day. Which is and so hard. <laughs> I know. A lot of people are creature of habits. They like to eat the same thing. It's easy. It's convenient. It's what you like. Whatever your reason. Well, it's we hard. Like just trying to like, um, you know, I work from home. So it's like I get a little bit hungry and it's like I don't have time to, you know, make like a full-blown thing. It's like I want to slam something together and it's like it, whatever's fast and easy. And fast and easy is the same thing almost all the time. Right, so it's right. Hard. And that's the big thing. I tell people, you know, you can still eat things that are similar. So now that you can't eat 
strawberries, and I don't have your results in front of me, but let's say you could eat raspberries and blackberries and blueberries. Well, hypothetically, one day you'd have blackberries, and the next day you could have blueberries. So you could still technically be having berries, but you're just switching up what you're having. So if you're somebody who likes to make smoothies in the morning for breakfast, you can still have smoothies, but just make sure the ingredients are different. If you like to have salads, you can have salads every day, but make sure you're using a different oil, different vinegar, and your grains are different as well. So that's the tricky part, but it's not necessarily something completely new every single day. You just don't want to have the same thing daily. And that, I think, you had mentioned when we had had our call, like uh, someone who is sensitive to grapes, you had mentioned like if you ate grapes one day, raisins the next, grapeseed oil, and then a glass of wine. And it's like, wow, you know, like you wouldn't even, you would think like it's something different, but the core ingredient is the same. Exactly. So that's the challenging part. And and I have found that that has become a little bit of an overwhelm of like, so this is my trick that I will say to the audience that I've done that has helped me because like, I don't want to write it down. It's not, I, I don't want another thing to add to my list. So I'm like, I'm not writing this down. But one thing that I have found that has been helpful is I go to the grocery store once a week. I usually go on Saturdays. So I will always... Um, when I go to the store, I have a pretty good idea of what I bought last week when I went. And so I just make it a point that I don't buy what I bought last week. So I know if I bought pineapple last week, I'm not buying it this week. Right. So that's been my way of rotation. I may eat for that week a lot of the same things throughout the week the same. But when I go back to the grocery store, I make sure that I don't buy the same thing again. So that's my way of rotation because the every four day thing wasn't working out for me. It's way too much thought. Like it was <laughs> requiring me to think way too much. I agree. The four day rotation is definitely a lot of thought. And that's actually one of the reasons why I usually tell patients, one, don't include your mild foods because you'll get better results not eating anything that you're slightly reactive to, which your mild foods are the ones that we say a four day rotation the acceptable foods, as long as you're not having them every day long term, then that's fine. So technically what you're doing is okay, even though that's not the specific way that we present it. We say every other day or two days on, two days off. But if you do eat something, let's say for one week, and then you take the next week completely off of that, should not be a problem because, again, it's the long-term accumulation and constant exposure to that item that eventually with time would trigger a sensitivity, possibly. It's not even a guarantee, but many times we develop sensitivities to things that we over-consume. In addition to that, it also helps you maintain a more nutritionally sound diet the more variety you have because there is no perfect food out there that has every single vitamin, every single vitamin, every single mineral, all the amino acids and everything that you need from one single food. And that's why a lot of times you hear that they say, you know, put all the colors on your plate because there's different nutrients in your foods. So the variety helps in that regard as well. And that probably makes the most sense to me. Like when I look back to, especially when I was uh, really serious about fitness, which is ironic because here I was being really stellar with, you know, working out and eating right. And I still wasn't getting the results probably because I was predominantly eating foods that I was sensitive to. But Mm -hmm. one of the big things in the health and fitness world is taking like Sunday afternoon and pre-planning all your meals. Right. And so to take the um, guesswork out of it, it's like you make, which I wasn't doing this because of the fact that I don't eat meat, but like in the health and fitness world, it's like you make a big vet of chicken and then you 
break it up throughout the course of the week and then you have like asparagus and fruit and nuts and all that and it, that's basically what they're doing is they're eating the same thing at the same time every day and I was thinking man this is like the worst thing we could be doing mm, exactly <laughs> it's interesting though with that said we have a lot of athletes that have tested with us some of them which we've named online um, some of them we don't disclose but we have athletes that test with us and a lot of times they do it not necessarily because they have some type of health condition that they're trying to treat, but actually to enhance their performance. And so it can even help you in that regard as well, your performance. So like you said, when you were working out all the time, it could have helped with that with recovery. And that's important when you're an athlete. Yeah, I mean, and again, going back to the fatigue, like, you know, I can work all day long and we may not get to the gym until six thirty, seven o'clock at night and I now have the energy to get through, whereas before I'd be like, oh my God, do we have to do this? <laughs> Right. You know, so now I can get through, but it makes a lot of sense to rotate your food because, yeah, if you're eating the same thing every single day, you're getting the same nutrition every single day and you could be lacking a lot of things because you're not introducing new things in. So I could see where that could also cause fatigue because your body's like, all right, enough already. We already have this. We have, you know, we, we need this and you're not giving it to us. Right. Exactly. So what is it about the food that doesn't, I guess, what is it that makes our cells say, okay, that's enough? Like, what is it doing on a cellular level to us to make it intolerant to us or sensitive? Well, as far as the intolerance, when we go back to the actual science of what we're looking at, we're looking at your white blood cells and how are they responding to this item. So we're looking at your white blood cells. We put it next to this item that we're testing for, whether it be a food, a chemical, a mold, a pharmaceutical agent, and we look to see, do your cells try to attack that item? If it tries to attack it, we may see that your cells swell up. They may release granules, which is part of the attacking process, healing process. They may even burst and die off. And so if this is warranted, if you have a virus, if you have a bacteria, that's great. You want your cells to fight things off. But if it's something that's quote-unquote healthy, a normal item, and your body is having this response, that's a negative. We don't want that. And so, again, going back to what your cells are doing, that response triggers an inflammatory response, which inflammation is the key of what we want to eliminate in your body. You can even do a lab test where you check your CRP levels, which are your inflammation markers, prior to following this diet and do it again after, and you'll see that those numbers drop. So you can even on black and white see that the inflammation in your body drops as you do this. Um, I want to go back to one question that you asked me that I didn't answer. Oh, sure. And that's um, how long should you or when should you retest? As far as retesting, we don't necessarily give you a specific time as saying, okay, on this exact date, this is when you should test. But we do say that you should go through the entire process. So basically, you go through the elimination, then you go through the reintroduction, and then it would be ideal to test after that. The purpose why you would test again is because of the fact that, unfortunately, just the same way that you can lose sensitivities, which is a good thing, you can develop new sensitivities. So in the future, you would want to know, am I still okay with this item or have I developed any new sensitivities? 
Some people come to us on a routine annual basis and they test every year. Some people test sooner. Some people test every nine months. Um, some people wait until they don't feel well again. Some people do great with the elimination. They learn to rotate their foods and maybe it's a few years before they say, eh, my energy's kind of dropped. Maybe I'm feeling... Um, some headaches, or maybe I'm developing some rashes on my skin, whatever their particular symptoms are. And then at that point, that's when they decide to retest. So it varies from person to person as far as the specific time of when's the ideal time to test. And unfortunately, at this point in time, many health insurance companies do not cover the cost of this test. So the coverage is usually going to be out of pocket where you're paying for this. And of course, if we have insurance, usually we say, well, I want my insurance company to pay for it. But since this is alternative medicine, this is usually something that insurance companies don't cover. And when I say alternative medicine, it's alternative because it's the thought of healing your body through what you're eating or not eating, as opposed to here, take a pill, or here, let's have surgery, which usually your insurance company covers. This is more of an Eastern medicine approach as opposed to the Western medicine. And so testing also can honestly be dictated by cost for some people. Um, but what I can tell you is that usually most people that follow this, they see the positive effects and they go, and if they're diligent with it, because of course you have to be diligent and compliant. And when they do that, they see the positive effects and they say, yes, I'm going to do this on a regular routine basis because I see the difference. And of course, the more health conditions you have, the more positive results you'll see simply because if you feel worse, you can see more benefits. And those are definitely the patients that seem to test on a more routine, regular basis. Yeah, I would definitely consider this more of a holistic approach. But, you know, everything that I do is is not really, um, I don't like the, the Western way of doing health care uh, for many factors. Um, so, you know, I typically, I'll see a chiropractor, I see an acupuncturist. I mean, this is definitely what I would consider more Eastern study, um, yes. which I think is a better route um, to be able to heal through food rather than um, here take this pill and this will you know probably make you feel worse and you'll need these four more pills behind it (laughs) exactly I think western medicine is great there's definitely certain times that we need it but I would say in normal instances when you have certain chronic conditions it can be alleviated with changing your diet because I see that and I hear that from so many people they do this test and like you say I wish I had done this sooner I've spoken with patients who have had surgeries that did not alleviate their issue then they went and did this test and found out oh my goodness my symptoms are gone and apparently I didn't need that surgery that I had or they're on medications which they need but when they change their diet they can eventually get off of those medications or drastically reduce those medications. So it's awesome when you can see what a huge difference just changing your diet and your lifestyle habits some can make. Yeah, and like it's you said, really it can amazing. be a, it can be a gradual change too. So of course you want to try and implement this all as much as possible and as quickly as possible because that'll help you as soon as you you know can as soon as possible. Um, but I always tell everybody, be realistic with yourself, you know, do this as best as you can to the best of your ability. But if you slip up, as I previously said, don't beat yourself up and think, oh, I've completely ruined my efforts. 80-20 rule. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd strive for 100% with this, but yeah, realistically. um, Realistically, I think that, you know, you can't, 
you can't beat yourself up. I mean, like you said earlier, as soon as you start berating yourself and thinking, oh, I screwed up, then you just like, you know, jump off the mountain and you just give up entirely. And, right. you know, we just look at it as like a week to week basis. Like, how did we do this week? Awesome. Well, last week wasn't so good. That's okay. We've got next week. So it's like, you know, we just, we try to pat ourselves on the back when we can. And if we slipped up a little bit, it's like, eh, it's okay. You know, we, we did, we did the best that we could with what we were given. So, you know, it, it's like don't allow it to um, push you off the, the wagon completely and, and make you feel like you're a complete failure because exactly. you know, every little bit counts and your body appreciates it. Yeah. Well, I am. Uh, I knew this was going to go by quickly. We are approaching an hour here. Um, I want to give you enough time to talk about... Um, uh, giving us the website where people can find out more information and if they have questions where they can go. Um, and also, we talked just a little bit before the call, um, before we jumped on the podcast, um, how Alcat also offers uh, meal plans. So if people are very overwhelmed, they can go, um, I guess, to your website to learn more about that. Will you, will you just tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So our website is simply alcat.com, A-L-C-A-T.com. And when you go onto our website, you'll see a tab that says contact us. So that's one way that you can contact us. Our main phone number is on there, which is 1-800-872-5228. You will also see that not only do we offer the Alcat test at our laboratory, but we offer other tests. Alcat testing is the primary test that we started with at the laboratory, which has been around for about 26 years. And so the technology information is on there, studies. As I mentioned, we have athletes that test with us. We have information about them. We have the information for nutritional support. You can purchase that online, or you could call directly and order that with us. Of course, that's after you do your Alcat test. So when you receive your results, and you're possibly a little overwhelmed coming up with recipes yourself or really going through the whole process, you can purchase additional consultations beyond just your initial consultation that we provide you with that's included with your test. But you can also have ongoing support if you'd like that, as well as the personalized meal plan is basically a recipe book that's going to be based off of your test results. But in addition to that, we take your lifestyle into consideration, your food preferences, So your likes and your dislikes, if there are any foods that you want to omit, even if we say they're okay, you can remove them. And of course, there could be medical reasons why you need to avoid them. So you can remove any foods that you'd like to remove. You tell us what your favorite foods are, so we try to incorporate those more often. When I said we take your lifestyle into consideration, we'll ask you how much time you have to prepare your meals. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we ask you, do you have 15, 30, 60 minutes? We ask you what your current weight is, what your goal weight is, so that way we know if you're looking to gain weight, lose weight, maintain weight how many people you're cooking for, what your food budget is, medical conditions. So it's extremely comprehensive. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. (laughs) And then on top of that, we rotate your foods too. So we automatically give you your acceptable foods on an every other day basis. So we're coming up with recipes for you and then automatically rotating when they're used. So it comes out to actually being an eight-day worth of meals plan. Man, you guys take this seriously. We do. (laughs) (laughs) But But we try to simplify it for you, too, so it's easier because we know that it can be overwhelming, and that's why we offer that. 
Yeah, and I think that's such an awesome thing to offer because, um, you know, for someone like me, like, I'll take the bull by the horns and I, I'm like, I can totally do this because I've already been in this world, mm-hmm. um, especially with being a vegetarian and being very cautious about what I eat. But yeah, if, if you're brand new to this, and I mean, I, I have people come up to me all the time that um, read the blog and, and they'll be like, I didn't even know what a GMO was. Um, you know, like there are people that are really just beginning, uh, to get into this world. And so I could see where, um, learning this information could just be so overwhelming that they don't even want to get started. Right. So this really takes the guesswork out of it and simplifies the process so that, okay, well, if they're going to tell me how to do, and you know, at the end of the day, a lot of us just want to be told what to do when it comes to stuff like this. Like we don't want to have to put a lot of thought into it and, you know, try to figure out how to do it. This is a great introduction into doing it and doing it correctly. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. Awesome. Well, Suzette, thank you so much for coming on to the show today and answering all these questions. Um, I think that this is going to be an eye-opening experience for a lot of people, and I hope that they all go out and get theirs tested. Um, I will say, do you have on your website where people um, can go in their state or where they can find out more information about the ALCAT in their area? Yes. So we can tell you where you can find a physician that test in your area and we can even try and help you with the specific type of physician that you have so you can contact us either by phone or on the website and when you do that we will ask you what location you live and then also if you want specifically let's say a gastroenterologist or you want a neurologist or whatever specific doctor if they're in your area we can help assist you find that as well. That's awesome. See, again, taking the guesswork out of it. So you can go online, go to their website, find out uh, where you can find a practitioner in your area and learn all the things that you can't eat and get really overwhelmed, and then they'll take the guesswork (laughs) further out of it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you again, Suzette, for coming on the show. I'm so happy that you said yes and were able to take the time to do this with me today. Likewise, I'm so glad that you asked me because I always like informing everyone of this because like you said, not a lot of people know about sensitivities. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like everybody in my circle was like, wait, what? (laughs) Right. But world of difference. So well worth it. So thank you again. You're very welcome. Well, folks, I think it's safe to say don't put all your eggs in one basket. Just because something works for one person doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. I was determined to be one of those girls on Pinterest who after 90 days looked amazing at the gym. But after six months and zero results, I knew something was wrong. I was certain that I was doing all of the right things and I was eating all of the right foods, doing everything that I thought was right. But it never occurred to me that it could actually be the healthy food I was eating. So... If you're struggling with fatigue, joint pain, indigestion, brain fog, or other ailments like trying to lose weight, this just might be the answer. I want to thank you for listening today. If you have questions or comments, email me at info at If you like the podcast, leave a review or subscribe on iTunes. And find out more info on this podcast and the Alcat on my blog, gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash blog or you can find me on twitter at the amanda gates bye for now